It can't be that bad, oh, 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 it can't be that bad. Masculinity is bad. Because uh, um, I think the expectation and standard of masculinity that has been formed I think in toc- society. I think there is a toxic form of masculinity. I yeah. agree. And I don't even think it's that what society thought. It's what toxic men and women have bred into society. I think masculinity isn't a bad thing. Just like I don't think fem- femininity is a bad thing. Nor yeah. do I think anything in between is. I think everybody do whatever the fuck you want and don't bother me. You I know think what I mean? in healthy doses is what it is. Like when you're when you're preaching to your son, <laughs> like men don't cry. Deep. As soon as they start the episode. This is <laughs> deep. Yes. Um, so men don't cry. Men men don't cry. You know, like a girl's got to wear pink and got to be pretty. And it's it's that old-fashioned thinking. And a lot of coming from a Filipino culture, that kind of thinking still exists. And sure. it blows my mind. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's, a, it's very common. Like my mom, my mom will openly say, like, I live to serve your father. Like mm. I make sure that he nice. has a meal when he comes home. He's the breadwinner. He, he's the one that handles the money. And I'm like, mom, that's like. You're like, mom, where do I find a woman like you? No, that's not what I'm thinking at all. Damn. You know, I, it is actually quite surprising how many men don't know how to cook. Um, but you know what? Hey, it, I don't know what it's like to grow up in the sticks of Kentucky where your mom and your sister and your girlfriend and your wife take care of you. I don't know. Maybe that's just how it is out there uh, or on the, the, the whatever island you come from. I think they do. The you same said thing. the sticks of Kentucky. Yeah. You are the first person in the world to think that I am from a place like Kentucky. No, no I'm saying the, or, I'm, I'm saying the places of Kentucky or the islander place that you're oh, from. Oh, OK. You're speaking more generally. Yeah, I'm saying it's very similar just <clears throat> because where we're raised and where we think. <clears throat> that may not be normal. In other places, it is. Like, we don't think it's normal to to uh, ride a goat. <laughs> of course. Do people think it's normal to ride a goat? In some places. What places? Kazakhstan. Right, riding, that, is that a fact? Alejandro fact. <laughs> okay. And so I'll Branded. believe that right now. We'll make a shirt that says hashtag Alejandro fact. That's a good shirt. And we'll sell all one of them. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> you buy it? You've already paid for it. <laughs> Um, um uh, hey what's up i just want to say say it welcome 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 baddies welcome to another episode of icbtb podcast, podcast also, also known, known as, as it can't be that bad podcast uh this is the movie podcast where bad movies can still be good yeah and um you're sitting on your hands like you're scared but hey buddy don't be nervous we do this all the time you know i to be honest with you i get the same melissa was just asking me like uh how are you feeling about recording today and i tell her i feel the same exact way about recording every single day that we're about to record it's just kind of like i hope it, it goes well like i it's like the nervous jitters that you get before performance interesting and i think that is healthy to have as an artist i don't know if i get nervous at all before we record the podcast i get nervous in front of people you, you see yeah i've seen you if there's a crowd i get really but it's funny though because usually usually when i get on stage i'm usually okay yeah um, it's uh and i i don't want to but it's on literally this. like up i'm sorry but it's literally like up into the second that i exactly uh, i don't want to stick on this for too long but like like when I after you had come back from Irvine uh-huh. and I was bringing you back to do your oh. first improv show with me, there was that uh, that uh, duo competition yes, improv yes, show. Yes, yes. You were nervous as fuck. Sweating bullets. You, but you shined like a shiny fucker when we started uh, actually performing, dude. It <laughs> oh, felt shining from so sweat. good, dude. <laughs> glistening, <laughs> I was glistening from sweat, from perspiration. Uh, we watched an incredible film that just came out. Yes, uh, straight to VOD came uh, out in March of 2020. It should have been a, a big release at South by Southwest, and I honestly think that uh, behind Jerry Stiller, the biggest crime that COVID 19 has done is take away a premiere from this film. 
Yes. I think this film was directed by the very Clark Duke. <laughs> well, you know, hey, you're acting like it's a big thing, but it's he's actually kind of, and I don't want to be a dick because I hope he's listening, he's he's now becoming a big thing. And I and I love yes. Clark Duke. Up until now, he was kind of just like the funny side guy. He was on The Office yes. in the last season, maybe last two seasons. He was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, he was Sex in, Drive. Yep. So he's always playing like the funny guy. And also- Great job. I think he does an incredible job at it. What, yes. I'm in, what I'm so fucking happy about is seeing him do this film yes. and not just act in an incredible way, but direct in an incredible way. He wrote the screenplay with this, based it off of a book. This movie is incredible. And Clark Duke yeah. is on a very fast rise that I think we all should keep an eye on. And the reason, and this is uh, kind of re uh, reemerging him from his uh, career because he was... He was about to quit acting. I had read that he was really? about to quit acting because he was tired of the typecast taking control of his career, of being the funny best friend. I don't blame him. And I'm so happy that uh, movie companies are giving him the opportunity to try different things, like yeah. directing and writing and things like that. Yeah, uh, this was an independent film. He wanted to direct this, and he wrote himself as that character, Swin, um, because he knew that other major production companies, if they were to take hold of this movie, would never give him a part like this. That's... Sad to say, but also very true. Very smart of him, yeah. very realistic of him to think. Um, but I could kind of tell when he first, when we get to the movie, but yes. here's a little spoiler for you guys. When he first gets, when he first meets um, Liam Hemsworth, what's yes. his character's name? Uh, Kyle, I believe. Yes. When he first meets Kyle and they have that interaction, I was like, oh, that's the audition scene. That's the scene that they do when they're trying to like test to see who the lead character is because the lead character could have been played by any leading man. Yes. Right? Yeah, any um, strong but silent type of character. Kind of silent. <laughs> kind. Yeah, he yeah. talks a lot in this movie. Let's do the movie thing. Yes. We, we, we have Welcome to Baddies. Yes. Uh, we have uh, sh not shaking hands because that's not a thing we do anymore. No. But we did kiss and we did kiss Otis. Uh, yeah. So that was nice. Mwah, 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 mwah. Um, he's a nurse though, guys, so don't worry. It's good. Um, <laughs> he has the medicine <laughs> <so> to, why, <laughs> we, <laughs> for kissing. Um uh, if it pleases the court, I'd like to uh, oblige with the itty bitty nitty gritty committee. Before we do that, we oh. didn't even say the title of the movie, Baddies. <laughs> Today we watched Arkansas. Arkansas. Fun fact about the state of Arkansas. What's up? Uh, do you know why Arkansas and the state of Kansas are pronounced differently? Why is that? Two different tribes of Indians. Really? That's yeah. why it, it trails back all the way to those times? Yes. That's an interesting fact. I like those fun facts from Alejandro. Thank you. That. Another fun fact is that... Half of Otis's family is from Arkansas. Mm, so if he wasn't sleeping right now, sense. he could talk about he it. He could, but he's... Otis, what's your favorite city in Arkansas? Ah, he's knocked the he's fuck the out, jerk. dude. Um, well, let's get to the movie then. Arkansas is rated R and was released in the year 2020. It has a runtime of one hour, 55 minutes. Uh, and for Melissa, that's 115 minutes. I, I do want to say it goes by pretty fast. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty, it's but booked in chapters. Yes. Because it's based on a book. I think this could have been a miniseries. It and we say that about a lot of films. But this one definitely I think if they wanted if Clark Duke could have had a company give him a million dollars so he could really flesh out each I, I it's based on a book, guys, spoilers. I bet you there's more chapters in the book that go deeper into the characters and things like that, which they go fairly deep. Yes. I bet you there's I should I want to read this fucking book. I bet you there's a whole courtship chapter about I Swin. Bet you. I bet you there's a whole investigation detective thing with Kyle and then I bet you there's the whole finding out about Frog Story uh, which is mm. a great which is what they show but they just kind of like 
let's touch it just a little bit. What I liked about the chapters before I even knew this was based on a book was that I thought this was very Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell very that there much are like hateful eight. Th- there are splashes of Tarantino. There are splashes of the Coens in this. Um, yeah. you can tell that uh, Clark Duke was influenced by some of the great directors. I believe Clark Duke is of the new era of directors. I think he's going to be a, a rising I think director. Hopefully. We can get into on this generation of directors and movie producers because I think there's a new age of directors. I think the Tarantinos, the Nolans, um, the Christopher Nolans, the yes. Cameron, James Camerons, the I think all of those great act, uh, directors who made these incredible films are shifting hands to now, like the Russo brothers who used to do comedies and Arrested Development are doing huge films like Extraction and The yeah. Avengers. And now we have Clark Duke, a joke writer who used to do sex drive and is now directing one of the greatest honestly one of the greatest crime films i've what ever a seen big change he was doing uh, specifically raunchy comedies as the funny best friend and now he's directing crime thrillers based from books and an immaculate crime film i think yeah you know he had the rights to to do this movie the rights of the book to do a film for a decade now i i don't believe i i don't deny it that sounds you know a book like this i I'm fascinated by how books become movies and how quickly books get bought out and how long companies just sit on, you know, properties like that until they can make their movie or they find. And I'm appreciative of that because I know that there are a lot of companies that just hop uh, on books or like popular (laughs) fiction stories to just make something to make money. But when you're sitting on it for a while to like obtain the money and to obtain like a proper cast for it, I appreciate it. I would find, not to get too distracted, but I always find it really interesting when they have like bidding wars on on, um, books. Oh, that's so interesting. Like the Jack Reacher story. Uh Have you heard about that? No, I've not. It was a huge bidding war between um, Tom Cruise and uh-huh. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Wow, between them two. And it was, it was their companies. It was whatever Tom Cruise's company is, uh, Little Ro- Robot, is that his? I don't know if that's and his, then, but I'm familiar with that and company. And then uh, Seven Bucks Productions, which is um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's. And they had this huge bidding war. And of course, Tom Cruise won out and made the Jack Reacher films. Yeah. And for a long time, Dwayne The Rock Johnson thought that was going to be the end. Like that, He was so dead set on and And would have been a very good Jack Reacher. Honestly, yeah. probably more to the book's description of what Jack Reacher is. Um, but... You know who? You know what role Tom Cruise lost out on what? was Wolverine. Really? Apparently, he really wanted Wolverine so much to the point that the original guy who was going to play Wolverine in the first X Men film um, was the bad guy in Mission Impossible Two. Was not allowed to go film and do his audition for X Men because Tom Cruise said, "No, we need you here. We need you here to film this movie." I think it was because Tom Cruise was salty that he didn't get Wolverine. Wow, and I think he would have been in a very interesting Wolverine. Wolverine, a lot of the role, and he was supposed to be Iron Man too at one point. Oh, um, I don't know. I if think I could a, see that. a lot of roles that people were like, "Why don't we put Tom Cruise in it?" I'm always like, "I'm so glad you didn't put Tom Cruise in that." Not because I don't like Tom Cruise, but because it's a better movie without him. What's a good movie without him? Is Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh, it has a rating of 46 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a horrible 5.9 out of 10, which should be a 9.9 out of 10 in my opinion. Yes, and a 54 percent on Metacritic. Christian, would you like to guess how many Google users approved of this film? Um, I'm going to shoot for something low so that I could be pleasantly surprised. I'm going to go for 75%. I hate to disappoint you disappoint because it's me, only 77%. Wow. Again, not enough people have seen it yet. Yes. 
I think VOD release right now is difficult because there's so many free movies and free content and Netflix and Hulu and subscription-based stuff that people already have. It's going to be tough to have people drop six bucks to rent this film or whatever yeah. to see right now. Nonetheless, totally worth it though. I'm hearing that this it. is the biggest VOD uh, good. Uh, it should, title right now. I sh- I'm going to go home and buy it, honestly, because it's so good. Baddies, if you have no clue what movie this is, really, just look up the trailer. Fuck it. Look at the don't, movie don't, poster. Don't look it looks the really good. Don't. Just listen to this and watch the film because mm. the trailer is no, there's no point watching it. It's good. We're telling you it's good. Let's jump watch into it. the rest of the nitty gritty because once you hear this cast list, I think you're going to be sold. Yeah. And so, and not to waste any more time, here's the very short synopsis. A series of mistakes leads to a deadly collision between two criminals and a drug kingpin in Arkansas. That's the end of it. Wow. Short and sweet. Directed by Clark Duke, based on a book by John Brandon, who's, I got to read this fucking book. Uh, and it is starring, of course, Clark Duke, who's taking the titular no not titular role he's playing arkansas <laughs> <laughs> he is playing arkansas Clark, Clark Duke, himself. uh liam hemsworth vince vaughn john malkovich vivica fox uh eden brolin who is the daughter of josh brolin and then michael k williams from the wire and mm-hmm. also boardwalk empire and also like any scary drug dealer is almost always uh michael k williams really does a good job in this film and then uh what's his brother's name Chandler Duke. Chandler Duke. Clark Duke's brother and his mother in this film. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. If I had a film and my mom wanted to be in it, I'd probably put her in it. Yeah. I'd put my mom in a film too. I would love to see your mom in it. We should put your mom in like the Titanic. We should like recut the Titanic and have your mom in there. I or think like, she would agree. Oh, she loves the Titanic. The if once you play that Celine Dion song, she will do anything in regards to like Titanic. You want her Noted. to replay any scene from the Titanic? She'll do it. Except not the nude painting scene. And I know you were thinking uh, that. Actually, honestly, was not. Okay. A hundred percent forgot about that. But now I am. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Can we move on? Because I want to get that image out of my head. <laughs> You're disgusting, dude. Anyways, Arkansas, why don't we just go? We've talked a little bit about the film, but I want to go out and say that some of the quick-witted lines that Clark did uh, as the character Swine. Swin. I'm sorry, Swin. Don't call his character Swine. I always thought Swin was like, it's actually Swine, but everyone pronounces it Swin, so he doesn't sound like a jerk. Did you watch this with subtitles? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I had to watch it with subtitles just so to make sure that I was getting everything right because the dialogue was so good. I watch most films with subtitles just because I live in a fairly loud household. Oh, that um, makes sense. My roommates are pretty loud. Oh, they are? Yeah. Man. What are your roommates' names? Mom and Dad. Um, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, Clark Duke throws out some... Can I say what a couple of my favorite lines are? Yeah, go right on ahead. One of my favorite lines um, is when they go to Vince Vaughn's pawn shop, mm-hmm. and they knock on the door, and he goes, what is this, Halloween? What do these children do here? Yes. <laughs> and Clark Duke goes, Halloween? That's for Baptists. <laughs> I did love that line. Yeah, I love it. The fact that Vince Vaughn is in this film was one of the things that attracted me the most. I And the trailer threw me off. The trailer did not explain to me what Vince Vaughn's role was in this film. I didn't think it was that big until I started watching the film. So yeah. why don't we start from the from titty the top? top? We'll go to the bitty bot. Yes. Um, so I want to give a little bit of exposition. So like I said, uh, Clark Duke was sitting on this for about a decade. And he was surprised that he was able to cast such a stellar cast. He got some... Big names. He said it snowballed ever since Liam Hemsworth said yes. Because once Liam Hemsworth uh, was backing this film. Some star power. Yeah, he had some star power there. He said that when Liam's he- Liam Hemsworth said yes to doing this, that he was so surprised that Liam Hemsworth you know was like, am I making a mistake? <laughs> Do you know how that came about? Did Clark Duke reach out to him? Did, Clark did the Duke production company? Okay. Yeah, and so uh, surprisingly enough, he said yes. And then after that, 
other people read the script and they were into it. Um, even like Vince Vaughn. One of my favorite things about Vince Vaughn doing is this film is that it's so it's so unorthodox. We're used to seeing him as like the charming leading man in uh, raunchy yeah. rom coms, mm-hmm, and but mm-hmm. for him to play the heavy. And he does a fantastic job playing the heavy in this film. You know, he he plays that role very well. I think when Vince Vaughn, just like when like Jim Carrey in Dark Crimes, yes. is doing the opposite of what you expect, it's very good. I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for his role in the remake of Psycho, which as no. a whole was a pretty bad movie. But Vince Vaughn was very good in that movie because mm-hmm. he's doing the most. He did his own version of Norman Bates. And uh, it, it's... A fairly decent remake, you know what I mean, of an Alfred Hitchcock classic. Yeah, Vince Vaughn is great at really splashing uh, character roles with those small nuances, really yeah. giving them depth. Because uh, in an interview that I read with Clark Duke in casting Vince Vaughn, is that Clark Duke was saying this film could have been way uh, uh, could have been terrible because anyone could have played the role of Frog in a very bland way. Ar- arguably. Anybody could have played any of these roles, but the actors that he got for them mm-hmm. are perfect. Mm-hmm. I think you could substitute, except for Clark Duke's role, which yes. clearly because that was he wrote it for himself, yeah. which is no knock. I, but but that makes the most sense. You could literally substitute the the girl Liam Vince with any other actor, yeah. and it could be it could still be very good. But I think it would be a different film. I think the choices that he made with this are very good. Seeing Vince Vaughn play a silent. Or not even a silent, but a quiet kingpin yes. who sits over his domain, understanding everything. It, this movie, I love that. I love mob bosses that once they've seen their empire built, they kind of take a step back yeah. and they have a humble life. They they did what they what they lived to do, and now he's. It's not even a fancy pawn shop that he no, owns. He just wants something to clean the money. And that's in yes. my favorite line that Vince Vaughn says is, is in the very beginning. Yeah. When he goes, uh, or back and forth, is when he goes, um, oh, I don't need to make a profit. And oh. uh, Clark Duke is like, interesting business plot. Or, yeah. It's interesting so. business uh, plan. And I, mm-hmm. and I thought that was so such a funny back and forth. They have very quick, that again. That's I think a Clark a, Duke thing. I think that's a passing of the torch of wit. I think in the early 2000s, we had the Vince Vaughn wit, the real quick, sly, kind of almost car salesman wit. Mm-hmm. And now we have the Clark Duke kind of quick under his breath side to the one person right next to yeah. him wit. Yeah. And I think, just like we said in the beginning, this is Clark Duke's emerging from the ashes as a glorious phoenix. It's so good. And what I love about Clark Duke is that he is such an unorthodox leading man. Yeah, he's definitely, he, you know, this is this movie doesn't have one lead character. No. It has three, arguably. Frog, Kyle, and Swin. And, Swin. and those three, and they, and they kind of juggle the three storylines very well. What I do find very interesting, though, about the way that this movie is told mm-hmm. uh, is uh, how the chapters aren't in chronological order, right? Yeah. You kind of jump That's around in the storyline. It's very Tarantino. It's very Tarantino. I, I'm also, I've watched quite a bit of Westworld, so I'm seeing a lot of like Westworld influences on a <laughs> yeah. lot of things. So even down to like, this Michael Jordan last dance documentary that's been mm-hmm. going out, even they kind of do this like, we're going to tell you this storyline at the same time, tell you this storyline, and they kind of wow. relate. And it's like, I think this idea of jumping back and forth in time, which has always been there, is becoming now the standard. Yeah. And I think a lot of films lose it in this confusion. This film, without 
every single time telling you 1984 December at 4:30. You know what I mean? Yeah. They do a really good job of jumping back and forth without it being jarring or confusing. You no. just kind of understand. It even, doesn't feel forced. Even if it's just as simple as the color of Vince Vaughn's hair, yes. or or the way that um you know he's talking and walking and and his in the beginning when he first starts his drug enterprise he's very nervous and timid and you can kind of see that. him you you don't see him get his confidence but you do see him with the confidence and then at the end of the film spoilers you see him without that confidence yeah he and has a full character arc all three of them in a, in less than two hours three characters are fully fleshed out totally and, and uh. Usually when you jump back and forth with these chapters, if you jump back and forth uh, uh, out of chronological order, it can seem forced. But it was so it was done so eloquently sure. in this movie, because in the first entire chapter, you don't know who Frog is. You don't know who this drug kingpin is mm-hmm. um, unless you've seen the trailer. And very not even the trailer didn't really again like i said you know what ruined it for me i read i so i rented this on amazon prime and i wish i didn't read the fucking synopsis on there because i wanted it to be a surprise that spoiler alert um vince vaughn was frog because you see him uh, like maybe once in the first chapter or even in the second chapter I, I'll, I'll be honest from the first chapter i knew he was frog mm-hmm. because who else would okay, yeah, someone like vince vaughn play and i i also thought maybe the twi- there was a couple of twists that i thought we're yeah. gonna come that did not come. One, I thought the girl was a pig. I thought she was gonna be wearing really? a wire. I really did Eden think Berlin? that. Yeah. Um and then I also thought that John Malkovich was gonna be frog and Vince Vaughn was gonna be like a fake frog. Mm-hmm. And then oh. and then they were gonna go kill Vince Vaughn and be like, You're frog. And he's like, Don't you fucking get it? Like Bright yes. Bright was fucking frog and you killed him and they're like oh spoilers. And like it's this big old thing. Can um, we talk about John Malkovich real quick? I, I one of say, my favorite actors. One more thing about Vince Vaughn, and then we'll we can put a bow on Vince Vaughn and come back to him if we yes. need to. Um I think his story arc is the most complete that we see. It's not to say that the others it. don't, but because we see so many parts of his life, we do see the majority of his arc come to its fruition. What happens with Vince Vaughn's arc is very much like a breaking bad type yes. of moment with me where I fall in love with the antagonist and I'm rooting for the bad guy. In I a always sense. root for the bad guy. And it's because Vince Vaughn was... He's the flawed hero out of all of those. Yes. They're all bad guys. Even the protagonist in this film is a mm-hmm. bad guy. Um, so of of these poisons, Vince Vaughn is the tastiest poison. You know, and I don't know if it's because of how the character of Frog was written that I'm uh, that I fall in love with that character or if it's really just Vince Vaughn's touches that he added to that character which is why I love him I believe Vince Vaughn's from the south originally isn't he uh no I think he he's a he's a Chicago guy I believe right because he's a what I read is that he's a big Cubs fan right or uh, a Chicago is that the team there for baseball yeah there's a well the cubbies are a, a baseball team in chicago yes yes and um something i read up is that clark duke was kind of nervous about like hey you gotta wear he the st louis cardinals. cardinals also fuck the cardinals uh those <laughs> butt fucking motherfuckers also fuck the houston Tex the houston texans because they cheat and they ruin the a's out of another world series god damn oakland can't get their shit together vince Vaughn's from minneapolis minnesota oh, um oh. um I, I love Vince Vaughn in everything that he does. Yes. I do. We'll, we'll, we'll probably touch on him again, but. Yeah, we'll come back to We're going to gonna probably hit on every character. This is so good. how can you not? Um, John Malk has a great character that that is cut short. I honestly think we could have seen a little bit more. I think we could have. I wanted to see was, at least half an hour more yeah. of John Malkovich. If this was a short series, a limited series. He would have his own episode. I, I would hope so. 
Yeah, least, I, I bet you in the book there's a, a deeper chapter about Ranger Bright. I want to see his rise to work, uh, how he got that position under think Frog. Ranger Bright was going to be one of the twins when you first no. met the twins. No, I, I thought Ranger Bright was going to be his own character. Uh, I wish we could have seen how Ranger Bright met Frog because he gives because Ranger Bright gives um, Homeboys the same speech that yeah, Frog I gives the twins. That. That's yeah. such a great and that's such a. I bet you that's right out of the book. That's such a great callback that has to be. If it's not, if it's not, then Clark Duke is a literary masterpiece. Because the the way it was written, and this is going to be paraphrased terribly, but it's going to be like, one thing you got to know is that I'm the boss um, and that you can't quit. Oh, so so he goes. Do you remember how it goes? Kind of. So he's essentially letting these guys know, both of them, Vince Vaughn and John Malkovich, are letting their new underlings know what's up. And essentially what they're saying is there's a couple things you got to get straight. I'm smarter than you and you're dumb. That means I'm the boss and you're not. Yep. When I tell you what to do something, you just do it. You're not allowed to say no, and you're not allowed to fucking quit. Uh-huh. In exchange, you're going to get to sell all these drugs and make a bunch of money, and then one day, I'm going to sit back, and you're going to pay me a percentage, and you're going to run this shit. Yep. And that's that's pretty much what Vince Vaughn tells the twins. I couldn't a- have paraphrased it better. I know that's probably not word for word, <laughs> no, it's but close it's enough. at least 80% of the way there. So is me. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Vince Vaughn and John Malkovich clearly had a deep relationship, because we find out it was interesting to see that Kyle and Swin thought that their relationship was as, uh, as what's the word I'm looking for? It was John Malkovich. They thought that John Malkovich's relationship with Frog was analogous to was, was no 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 was the same as Kyle and Swin's because they didn't meet Frog. They didn't know anybody. They thought no. everybody had this this veil of secrecy over their heads, not realizing that, no, 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 it's just you guys. Because just like Liam Hensworth says in the beginning, I'm bottom rung. I don't know anybody. I don't meet anybody. I don't yeah. see anybody. That's something that I loved about this film is that usually in, in crime thrillers, when it has to do with like a mob, you see the rise yes. of mobsters. But here, they're on the bottom rung and they kind of stay on the bottom rung. Yeah. They're forced to stay there by these higher beings who are, you know, essentially running this whole thing. I, I'm always really kind of surprised at movies that have a all-seeing eye or a big brain at the end of the movie. He's like, actually, I planned all of this. This movie kind of had that, but yet the problem, just like in real life, mm-hmm. there was a wrench thrown in it. Yes. Vince Vaughn has that final scene where he's talking uh, and it's just kind of like a single on him. And he's having the speech where he's explaining you know, look, these guys did this and they did this and now I had to do this. So-and-so's dead. So I send this guy up. pretty much explaining what you just saw in this film. Yeah. Uh, which is a summary. Which is the best way to do exposition, I think, in in, in film. So again, hats off to you, Clark Duke. Um, but in that monologue, it's revealed that, yes, I had this plan and they keep fucking it up. Mm-hmm. What, you- what made me, I'm sorry, what made me think about that a lot was when they're stashing the money in the dryer and they're like, don't you think Frog's going to be proud of us that we have all this money? Yes. No, fuck. You're stealing all of this money from Frog. That's you're, what's going on. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul and at the end of the day, everybody's broke. Uh, this movie at the beginning, they kind of uh, provide you with some exposition saying that the Dixie mob is not necessarily like the Italian yeah. mob yeah. or the drug cartels where Agreed. they're run by families and it's highly organized. The thing about the Dixie mob is that it's unorthodox in the sense that is it's highly disorganized. <laughs> And which I'm, is a great, this movie is a great representation of how it could get fucked up because of that disorganization and the lack of communication. I think that disorganization is just common in 
organized crime. I think this so-called organized crime is only a thin veneer because the whole, even the Italian mafia is all of this, uh, you know, till death and all this shit and yeah. the oaths that they take. And then as soon as they get arrested, they all fucking snitch. Everybody from they fucking rat. Henry Hill to fucking John Gotti. They all fucking snitch because that's how they fucking stay alive, bro. Mm -hmm. uh, At the end of the day, I mean, mobsters can be very selfish. They'll, they'll. That's what they, they're, they're out for themselves. That's what makes them gangsters. Um, this film does a really interesting job of, job of one, saying it in a modern era. I have, yes. I haven't seen a gangster film in, in like today's film or in today's era that isn't super fantasized. Like I just watched Den of Thieves Is the it other good? day. It's, it's. A movie. It's uh, fairly good. It's a movie. Yeah, it's it's good. Dish. That's but, a review, or that's a uh, a rating we should add to our spectrum. It's a movie. Um, but but it's very fantas fantas fantasized. Fantasized. It's none of that I could see actually being real. Mm -hmm. This I could very see being real. very real, very realistic, and you can tell. Oh, one of my favorite lines from this movie, and. I, I think this is to be true. I don't know anything about the crime life, obviously, but the, uh, Pat Bright, John Malkovich's character, uh, tells the boys, I know you might be bored, but a bored criminal is a good criminal. That is, look, I'm not a criminal, but I have read a lot of books written by criminals, uh, yeah. and that is pretty much what they say. Being a gangster and being a drug dealer is a lot of sitting around. Yeah. It's a lot of sitting in the... That's why gangster films have to like put so much stuff in it to make it interesting because being a gangster most of the time cut a lot of the meat out to make oh, it seem yeah. interesting because a lot of the times you're just like sitting there waiting for someone to come home well, so you can yeah, let's them. break it down i mean like if you're a bored criminal that means you're, you're not worried right. yeah about someone like whacking you you're oh. not scared about what's to come and, and you're doing your job right and having the cover of being a park ranger junior ranger is an incredible cover and the way that john malkovich plays a park ranger kind of wacky Kind of weird. I, I do great cover. I do think it's okay. One of my favorite John Malkovich scenes is when it's storming outside, and they're like, "You know, what? actually, we'll just stay at your house." And then he's like, "All right, well, then we're gonna drink." And he grabs the Jack, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels, yeah. But that whole time, you know, the first part when the TV breaks, yes, they just let John Malkovich do his thing, and they're like, "Hey, the TV breaks. Try and fix it, and then we'll go on from there." And John Malkovich, I'll try and fix it. Is I'm gonna go to the door. Slam the remote outside in the rain and shut fucking the door. Fucking good. Because you know why? Why? No one else fucking would do it. No one else. And I, you, I wish you, I, No one would write that on paper. I would pay so much money to watch Clark Duke being like, keep fucking rolling, keep Dude, fucking Clark rolling. Clark Duke. Follow him, follow him, follow him. In the interviews that I was reading, Clark Duke was talking about the magic he was seeing Ugh. on set. How he would be having a down-to-earth conversation with John Malkovich, but once they started rolling, John Malkovich would put on that funny face, high-pitched voice, yeah. and he would do a lot of fucking improv. What a switch flip John Malkovich is in all of his movies. I, yes. I bet you as a man, he's very interesting. Dude, in uh, specifically in this film... One improvised scene was when he was laying down on the couch when they were all chilling when it was storming outside, and he picks up the phone with his feet. That wasn't mm -hmm. written on paper. He picked it up with his fucking feet, answers it. And so John Malkovich. So many of the editors on this film wanted to edit that out, but Clark Duke was like, what the fuck? We're keeping that in. And it's been, uh, from what I've been reading, it's been one of the most glorified improvised scenes in the film, and Clark Duke was so happy that he kept it in. One of the things I want to praise Clark Duke about again, because we can't suck his dick metaphorically hard enough in this podcast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but he takes his time in a lot of these shots, and you don't see American directors do that very Especially often. Especially with the first film that they're directing. It's not common for directors to really... It's That's a very... European style film 
in that idea where he sits on shots. He lets the camera roll from John Malkovich's face down to his feet and back up to his mm. face and then cuts to the other. He lets the whole shot develop in front of you in the camera. So and I good. love the fact that he's letting literal art of John Malkovich's acting un- unfold in front of our eyes and doesn't cut it and make it choppy. And I think he, did, again, did an incredible job directing these behemoths these literal titans of industry how could that not be a daunting task to be directing your first film look i kind of semi-directed a 30 second clip we did downstairs a couple weeks ago and it was the most difficult thing to be like okay now let me go run in front of the camera dude and you were working with people that you're comfortable with you were working with me and melissa imagine him running in a tire crew like can you imagine looking at john malkovich and being like all right john this is the scene where Where um, i sit in front of you and you tell me to drink alcohol yeah you know john it's okay just do do whatever you want here's the script here's a pen let's break down kyle i'm saving swin for last because he is my favorite liam hemsworth is uh one of the leads in this film playing kyle i haven't seen liam hemsworth in a while no, I haven't seen Liam Hemsworth in many movies, honestly. Well, and also the movies he does up until now, I would like to say, are probably teenage notebook-esque rom-com. Yeah. Let me be the savior He's been guy. typecasted as that guy. So as, here's as another role, although I wish he could have, I wish the character maybe could have had a little more depth. I think silent but deadly type characters lack a little bit of depth. But their depth comes in them yes. being silent but deadly. Yeah, right? he he is more fleshed out than a two-dimensional, si- strong but silent character. Agreed. Because he does actually talk quite a bit. And if it was a limited series, I bet you we'd get to see a little bit more. And yes. I, it seems like there was a lot of Batman detective work that he was doing. Yes. One of the synopsis, synopsi? Synopsis? One, synop- <laughs> one of the little things that I read about this film before <laughs> watching it yeah. was that uh, it's a story about Two guys who are involved in a drug trade in which one wants to leave because he got somebody pregnant, spoilers, and the other is trying to figure out who their leader is. And so I kind of knew that they were going to be on different tasks and different quests. Yeah. uh, But I didn't expect it to be explained as well as it is. Um, No, we're good. Yeah. Um, It's what's interesting about him is that usually uh, a character in a role like this, uh, like Liam Hemsworth, you would see that there would be he would have like a flawless execution in everything that he does in his thinking and his detective work. But what I loved about this is that he was entirely flawed in his thinking. super flawed. Everything to his first decision of grabbing the gun and and threatening to shoot John Malkovich in the beginning. As soon yes. as he did that, I was like, "You're fucking everything up." I didn't know where it was going at that point, but I thought he was really fucking he everything was up. Cocky. He was definitely cocky, and it's <sighs> also because he was fearless. He didn't give yeah. a shit in he the beginning wa- of the film. It says uh, people like to go out to clubs and get drunk, and that's their time. I just like to drink beer. I just like to drink beer on my couch, and that's how I like to live my life. Yeah, uh, I think he wanted to be a gangster and a drug dealer. Yeah, so much so that spoilers at the end of the film. That's exactly what he becomes. What was interesting? Yeah, what was interesting was that he he was doing all of this work. Uh, you know, not telling Frog about the money that was left in their mm-hmm. dryer, um, killing the, off the people that he thinks are mm-hmm. going to be detriment, uh, detrimental to their business. And he was thinking, I wish uh, I could meet Frog. I wonder if I looked at Frog, if it was like looking in the mirror. Because that he was- is an interesting- Because he wants to be That was like his Frog. motivation. Wow. What that a, was I his objective. And it's wow. so interesting. And it was so smart because as the viewer, you're thinking, oh, you're fucking this business up. But at the same time, you're thinking that you're doing Frog so much good in this business. Wow. But really, in you're reality- you're fucking him. Wow. You're doing exactly the opposite of what he he wants you to do. 
Yeah, Frog doesn't want you to pretend to be like him. Mm-hmm. He'd rather he'd rather mold you into him like he did with the twins. Yes. Then have you come to him and say you want it. Although I would have liked to know a little bit more about Barry, the guy who he sent over. Yeah. Uh, although fuck Barry, they should have killed him way sooner yeah, than that. Yeah, Barry I, was a piece am, of shit. You know, I was listening to an episode the other day where I was like, uh, <laughs> guys who get jealous are shitty people, and I was like, that's a weird like Freudian thing where I'm talking directly about myself. It's because seeing I get Clark it. Duke like not punch that guy in the face when he was hitting on his girl mm-hmm. made me very upset because that's and maybe that's just my quick to anger trigger yeah um, but but i wish i was in calm his enough as clark, clark duke to just be like oh no it's cool and like grab her hand i wouldn't i would because I would that's be, i would bad be saying ass. it is it's so much they're, better they're it's so too... much better than shouting fuck off bro but i would be the fuck off bro guy you know there was i did you know sorry ladies i my character or the way that I portray myself or people that might perceive me might be like the very sweet kind of guy. But there was, remember when we went to the club in Sacramento uh, a few years ago? I I remember that night. (laughs) Yeah, you were there. (laughs) But I, uh, we were there with Melissa Mm -hmm. and Melissa was ordering drinks at the bar. And then uh, I was like, just kind of chilling with like you and the other people that we went with. And I looked over and I saw this guy talking to Melissa. So all I did, instead of getting really mad, All I did was walk up to my girlfriend, put my arm around her, and really politely ask, hey, how you doing, man? And then he was so thrown off that he was just like, okay, have a good night. And I think that is more effective than me having gone up to the individual being like, hey, piss off, dude. Uh, I wish I was that cool. I honestly, honestly wish I was that cool. I, I I have to remind myself to be cool sometimes. And Mm -hmm. it's a shitty thing to maybe admit, but, uh, but it's not it's not black and white like that. It's not necessarily that easy because that's the no, complicated and I, thing about emotions. Yeah, right? and I have been in the position where like I, I I've dated fairly strong women who are like very in their own. I'm like, you know what? That she can handle herself. She's got she's yeah. got it. But I have also thrown beers at people's heads because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, they followed someone into a bathroom or something. You have you different know, sides like, to you, and it really depends on like. <laughs> Where your head is at the moment, emotionally, <laughs> emotionally or like how many Have beers I seen you've a had in. recently? Just like, yeah, did like I if, jack off that day? It's a weird, it's a weird. weird tangent. And I know we've been like talking very deep and movie buff esque with this movie, but stupid moment of the day. I, and I'm sorry for mom if you're listening to this or family if you're listening to this. I masturbated the other day and I thought to myself uh-huh. right after I ejaculated, I was like, dude, masturbating makes me a better person. <laughs> It does. Honestly, it does. If anyone can take this anything away from this episode, it's that. Masturbating I, makes you a better person. It calms your nerves. It makes yep. you a smarter person. It yep. strengthens your muscles. It yep. relieves your stress. Yep. It clears your mind. I don't know how many times you start thinking weird things and then you just kind of like get it out and then you're just like, you know what? I shouldn't buy $500 of mozzarella cheese. It's like you gain so much rationality. Clarity. There's clarity. It's the reset button. Maybe not for women. Yeah, I don't th- know. I honestly don't know because I'm not a woman. But for men, it is a hard reset. Yeah. That every man. <laughs> here's the problem. Just like you shouldn't reset your computer every ten minutes or seven nope. times a day, you weird fucks. You should only do it maybe once a week. Once. Yeah. Just keep it special. <laughs> keep it occasional. Light some candles. Yeah. Light some. Take a note from your girlfriend. Light some candles. Sit in the bathtub, guys. Honestly. Relax. I was talking to a friend, and this is the last I have to say about it. He says he he quit watching porn for over a year. Big fucking good job, dude. Good job. And he says the way he masturbates now is that he just literally lays down and touches himself. And it's like he's really giving his own body a good time. We are not keeping that in. Yeah. uh, 
<laughs> Friend, if you're listening to that, I'm so sorry. <laughs> one, one. I don't even want to go into that. Yeah, okay, back, back into the to, movie. Um, Kyle's arc is yes. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Such a weird jump back into the hot water. I am so sorry for those of you who this may be your first episode. We're jarring as fuck, yo. It happens. Kyle does a great job of really understanding that this is our life now, and mm-hmm. these are the decisions and the and the choices and sacrifices that we have to make if this is the life that we want to have. Because he knew he wanted to be this drug dealer and this guy his whole life, yes. or as far as we've seen of his life in this film. Um. It's what I oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. One thing I want to say is he's not ever like shirtless, or they never play up on the fact that it's Liam Hemsworth. You know what I mean? Good-looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he is a strong, silent, deadly type, like I said, is not because he is Liam Hemsworth. I think it's because of his quality of actor, Mm -hmm. and that proves again that he's doing something different than he normally does. And this is a good form. This is a good show of talent. I think on everybody's front. It does take like a certain level of talent to be given a script where you don't talk a lot, but you have to play a fleshed out character. Like in just facial expressions and just like in just your uh, anti, uh, what do you call it? Anti-verbal cues or what do you call it? Social cues. Not social cues. There's a there's a, a word for it. I can't think of it. But yeah, to just play play a character yeah. without you know, like Ryan Gosling does it all the time. Sure. We've seen Patrick Swayze do it in Roadhouse, <laughs> and yeah. it does take like a, a, a level of uh, of skillsmanship to be able to do that. And I think Liam Hemsworth does a great job. Yeah, I would like to see him do more things like this. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't help but think that he does get overshadowed by his brother because his brother was given the A-list role of Thor. Sure. But I do think they could go in completely different directions and have their own different typecasts. Well, you know, there's definitely different movies. They're definitely different movies. Um, The roles that Liam takes and the roles that uh, Chris takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I say their first names as if I know them because I feel like I do. (laughs) <laughs> I can. I want to Photoshop a picture of you hanging out with the Hemsworths. Please. Have you seen the third Hemsworth brother? Yeah, he's in uh, Ragnarok. He's not as like. He plays the Thor actor in Ragnarok. Oh, that's who we. <laughs> yeah. How much of a slap to the face is that? I think it's really funny. I think I think the Hemsworth brothers have a great relationship where they can kind of like. I think they all kind of understand like, hey, we're not supposed to be famous, are we? <laughs> Um, uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, Swin. Yeah, Swin. Um, Swin, seeing Clark Duke the way he was, he was so different. His hair was tied back. That he, shitty little mustache is probably all that I could ever grow of a mustache. <laughs> uh, and I think, and I think I figured it out. Baby faces like myself and Clark Duke, we got to shave that shit off. Otherwise it looks like that. Either that or get some Rogaine and slap it on your cheeks. I don't think that's how it works. You don't, th- I don't know. I don't, I don't. I think our hair follicles on the top of our head are different than our hair follicles and our pores on our face. How do hair transplants work? Do They, like, they can take you- hair from your butthole and move it to your head. It can't be specifically like, the butthole. It's usually from your back. Yeah, from your back or the back of your head, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Just like the bottom. Yeah. I think try before that. you do, th- I think before you do that, you should just try being bald. Just <laughs> shave it. Make Pull the decision. Jason Statham? Make the decision. We've talked about this before. I don't know. I'd look like Buddha. Recently, you asked me to grow my hair out because I was saying I want to cut it. Mm-hmm. I will grow my hair out as long as you grow your beard out. So for as long as you have a beard, I'll grow my hair out. Melissa does not like it. She asks me every single weekend that I see her, can you shave? Can she you should shave? be dating a baby face then. I mean, I used to she be, be baby- dating Clark Duke. Clark Duke, the softest face in the industry. Specifically Clark Duke. 
<laughs> the soft that sounds like a slap that sounds like an insult but it's actually if you know christian a high compliment it is no if you have a soft face a baby face there are ladies that like that where are they <laughs> <laughs> where are these ladies that I'll like tell you soft what, my faces? bumble account has been not doing well but arkansas is doing well arkansas and swines arc is the best Swin. i want to talk about swines death okay spoiler alert oh yeah swin di- yeah he dies we didn't even talk about the twins, dude. The twins. Buckle in, baddies. We got another hour and a half of this shit. Because those Vince are Vaughn, interesting characters. Yeah, Vince Vaughn's arc starts all the way back in the 80s when he learns how to become a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And he brings on these two guys who are know-nothing chumps. Yes. And uh, he's able to bring them into the business and teach them how to do it. And they become strong drug dealers on their own right and want to do their own things just like any other drug dealer would want to. They do end up becoming just Vince Vaughn's lackeys, though. Yeah. Because they are so indebted to him, no matter what he says, they will do. Because, just like he says in the beginning, I'm smarter than you, I am your boss, you can't quit, so on and so forth. You can never quit. can never quit. Uh, which is great. So, by the way, Christian, you can never quit. Quit what? Me, bitch. Quit you? <laughs> <laughs> Partners for life, motherfucker. <laughs> also, you changed that last episode without my okay, you motherfucker. Dude, it was We're like platonic life partners. <laughs> you fuck. You fuck, because that's not what we agreed on in episode. So if anyone actually hears that episode, we're not. We totally have sex. <laughs> what? Don't be spreading that around. Hey Christian, I heard in your last episode that uh you and Alex, you guys have sex. And by sex I mean social interactions exclusively platonic. Um <laughs> Oh my god. Swin when we first introduced to Swin, it's a very much it's very much like when we're introduced to uh Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Yes. Joe Pesci, the young version of Joe Pesci's character is, is like it is is just like how we meet Clark. They're just like, hey, this is your new partner, they're gonna work together, you don't know him, you guys are set to go. I loved seeing them meet. That meeting scene was so interesting. You you get to learn a, a lot about Swin just right when you first meet him. By the way, oh. he dresses. You can see that this guy this guy's kind of eccentric. He's, oh yeah, his Jordan Elevens are on point, by the way. Yeah, and he's not your typical guy that would be joining the Dixie mob at all. You know, again, I think he's the new age. Yes. I honestly think he is perfectly embodying our millennial generation that is coming in and, and, and moving into the world because there's different levels of there's different levels of adult, right? Yeah. And I think his level of adult is this new emerging subset of adult that is able to be like, no, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be what I want. I'm going to think what I want. And there's nothing you can do about it. I think in history, we've always yeah. had that kind of counterculture person. We've always had that kind of uh, go against the grain, but they've always been hippies or anarchists or um, problems that are against the grain. Whereas now the against the grain has almost become the grain. And here he is doing it like to the max. Yeah. Yet even even his uh, even Eden Brolin points out to him at one point like uh, th- you talk about how you want to get rid of all your shit and be on your own and do stuff but yet yeah. is that really what you want and no look at all the rings he has look at the Jordans he wears and the clothes that he has and like he's very into material things clearly yet the millennial in him or the younger person in him wants him to say no I'm not into these material yeah. things I want to be one of life and one of in the moment which he kind of is but- what's ironic is that he chose the life 
of joining the Dixie Mob to kind of opt out of the regular nine to five of getting like tied down mm-hmm. to like a, a family type of lifestyle. And that's What's, exactly what he got. That's what happened. Uh, he he makes uh, he gets Eden Berlin's character pregnant, mm-hmm. and Spoilers. he's he's trying to get out of that uh, lifestyle of the Dixie Mob to raise a family with this girl. Not even necessarily get out. Or be able to what you think he provide, wants? To try he wants to, to be able to prov- to provide for his family because at no point is he like, well, let's make one more big sale and then I'm out. At no point does he ever true. make that uh, that that proposition. But I think that he was also scared of uh, he he wanted to provide for that fam- uh, his future family so much because of his flawed family back home. He was very secretive about where uh, his family back home lives like all where all of 10 of his sisters live and like I'm how bad of a father he had really interested to know more of that story of and Swing i bet you family. it's in the book i want to read this fucking book and we'll read it i bet you it's actually not at all none of the stuff that we think is in the book is actually probably in the book it's like <laughs> a four, it's actually four chapters just like the movie very short very light <laughs> word <book>. for word <laughs> it's the screenplay this is the perfect word for word adaptation um <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, I do think this is a very interesting relationship that I wish we could have delved deeper into. And and Eden Brolin plays this woman who is kind of looped in and right off the bat, I knew she was going to end up staying. And I and I have been conditioned through gangster films in the past to think yeah. that the woman's going to ruin it for the man. So I constantly thought she was going to be wearing a wire. I constantly happens. thought, yeah, she was going to end up turning him in or I have to. But, you know. The ending, I'm sorry, the credits roll on a single shot of her driving away because once everything, what a beautiful once everything drops and spoilers, they kill Swin. Uh, Kyle goes to her, gives her all of the money and tells her, you have 10 minutes to leave Arkansas and never come back. Yeah. And so we don't know where she goes. I don't think she went to Kentucky to see um, his family and, and because- I think it's supposed to be open-ended like that. I, I think it's such a beautiful gray- varying ending where we can look at that and have our own just like the graduate just like some beautiful films that just kind of close on this mm-hmm. wow i i don't it's know left how to for feel interpretation sort of yeah. exactly and those are the most memorable because in all of cinema history there's oh they always put a bow on it they always put a bow on the ending they're kind of just like okay and that's it like yeah. this is the happy ending or this is the ominous ending but when it's left open-ended like this and you think about it uh after you go to sleep the night after you watch the movie, that's how it's that memorable. Yeah. And this is so out of the ordinary type of crime thriller. Clark Duke, once again, we cannot metaphorically out of the park. stroke you harder. This, you did a fantastic job. And I know it's a very small chance that you will be listening to this, but maybe you are. And I just want to <laughs> applaud you because you took a stellar cast. This was your first time directing. You are... Sh- I, I, think I, this, I think this film is going... I. I'm going to pretend like he's not listening. I think this <laughs> film is going to be very big. Yes. I think Clark Duke is on the rise of a very long and prosperous directorial career. Uh, and and honestly, if he can make more films of this ilk or on this level, I will watch every single one of them. Because yeah. this is such a deep, such an intense, fully fleshed out crime thriller that I think is going to be written off as a shallow, unincorporated sort of not fulfilling movie because it's an independent film and it's this jokester guy who's writing it and directing it and you don't really get as deep as you want with all these characters but if you can look at it for what it is yeah i think it truly is an an impeccable piece of art it's a work of art you get to see john malkovich doing his 
incredible best. You get to see Vince Vaughn playing a character that is so rich from the accent to his walk, to his talk, yes. to his, just his presence is such an insanely Using deep that same character. charm that we are all familiar with in, a in all of his other characters, but in a different way. Correct. Using Liam Hemsworth in a non-sexual, yes. very smart, active role, and then using Clark Duke as a he is the lead in this film, essentially, of the three. Yeah. I think it follows him more than anything. Uh, but as a very strong lead, unconventional male lead. And I think if you're going into this movie expecting it to be the conventional film, you're not going to get any of that. And mm -hmm. and if you don't like it, that's because you're not seeing it for what it is. An yeah. unconventional film that knocks it out of the park. Really try to break this down. If you're not a movie buff, watch this movie as if you're a movie buff. Because yeah. you have to understand where this is coming from. This is an independent film where he didn't have the help of a major production company to back it financially. Um, yeah, I don't even know what the budget was for this. I didn't bring it up during the nitty gritty because I'm not sure what it is there wasn't a lot of numbers on this yet it's new man it is it's new and this is a lot of it's coming from his own pocket that he's made from his previous roles i mean i hope we can see more direct um something directorial. else that i read on is that so he is from arkansas and he mm -hmm. did want to do this movie because his grandfather was actually a tertiary member of the dixie mob during oh, his own time and so he loosely based the character of frog on his grandfather and so he was thoroughly impressed with uh, Vince Vaughn uh, bringing justice to some to a role that he held near and dear to his heart. Wow, and that and that I think that's also another reason as to why the way Vince Vaughn's character was written, the way Frog was written, is why it's so easy to take his side on things. Even though he's the heavy in this film, even though he's the antagonist at the very end where he dies and you see him fall to his knees. First of all, wow. Okay, you're right. So the absolute antithesis of the climax is when Kyle finally is face to face with Frog yeah, and he's pointing a gun at him and, and he's pretty much just like no this is it this is the end of the line mm -hmm. and then we see Frog put the gun down and then it cuts back to Vince Vaughn and pans down slowly to reveal two gunshots in his chest yep. we don't see hear or none even, of it it's such what a, a beautiful what a incredible artistic choice to not Show us that shot. In movies like this, where you see one of the main antagonists die, or the it's, antagonist die, I, I, honest, they make it big explosions, like a yeah, very... He did it. This is it. He, this the, is where he dies. It's the period on the sentence. And I don't honestly know how I feel about not showing that, but I will say, incredible choice. It was so poetic. What? I've never seen a movie make that choice. Because in the lifestyle of a, of a mobster... It's a very, it could be a very loud lifestyle, especially the very end. But to make it poetic in the, in the ironic sense that something that should be so loud was reduced to just yeah. silence, to like nothing. To, to not even silence, but not there. Mm -hmm. The gunshot, we do not see the gunshot at all. No. It's such a beautiful, artistic little period at the end it's of the a coup great de gras. sentence. It's the cherry on top. Wow. In, in, insane film. Yeah. I, I think. It's no secret who my best person on set award is. Who is it? Clark Duke. Clark Duke, having been one of the leads in, having been one of the leads in this film, having directed it, having, having written, written having the screenplay, yes. Owning the rights to this book, that means he must have read this book and thought immediately how over he, and over and over again the the his attention to the tiny little details incredible. in that book. 
and having to translate it onto the, I wish I could say the big screen, but like your guys' screens yeah. at home because it is a VOD uh, movie. But this is a beautiful film. It's incredible. Um, there's so much more I know we could talk about, but baddies, watch it for yourselves. And then call us and we'll talk to you about it yeah, in depth. Eden Brolin, we barely, we didn't talk too much about her, but- Josh Brolin's daughter. For a, a newer actress and uh, for a lot of people not having a, much of a reference of what kind yeah, of actress she is. I don't know if I've is, ever seen her in anything. She's done her. an incredible job. She does. And having to live in the footsteps of your of, of your father, like Josh Brolin. Because that's not her accent. They're they're no? all faking their accents, except for maybe Clark Duke and John Malkovich. Everyone else is putting on an accent because yeah. Liam's Australian. Yes. Um, Eden's not from Arkansas, and no. Vince Vaughn's accent. Yeah. From being from Kentucky, Memphis, from Memphis. Yes. Beautiful acting. Vince Vaughn is doing his best acting. Everybody is. Honestly, if you guys were in this room with us, and if you were to give your best person on set award to anyone any else, else, we would kill you. We no, I would agree. I oh. mean, they're really fucking you could literally good. pick any any anybody on this set did yes. an incredible job. The director of photography, I made a note of it, but I don't have my notes up here. Um, Actually, the cinematographer was Stephen Miser. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful so shots. Good. There were some, the, like I said, the closing shot during the credits is so beautiful and poignant. What a great choice. Four minutes. Yes. We are just watching her drive. Four minutes. He is, Clark Duke made the decision to just take his time with all of these shots. Yeah. Um, it can be that great. Dude. This is maybe one of the best like films I've ever seen. Six out of five, seen. dude. This is one of the Easy. best films I've ever seen. And these, these are the type of movies we kind of want to like tackle a lot more from now on, baddies. Yeah, only Clark Duke films. <laughs> so Clark Duke, we're waiting for your next film in 10 years. Or we'll do Hot Tub Time Machine 2 and we won't be this nice. <laughs> Because um, Adam Scott is not John Cusack, and you can take that to your fucking grave, Adam don't Scott. Don't try to replace him. Um, my Other than Clark Duke, because he's obviously both of our best yeah. uh, persons on set, um, I think John Malkovich gets an honorary mention from me. Yeah, Vince Vaughn, and also uh, Clark Duke's brother plays this. Chandler Duke? Chandler Duke plays a very interesting Villain small in role. He will he a small role, but like it definitely moves the story in the direction that it the needs to move. The true wrench in all of it. If that character was not in this, yeah, everything would have been. He was fine. the curveball. Yeah, he was the nobody, curveball. Nobody planned for that to happen, and I that's why everything goes down. I fucking hated that character. He's the true villain. Yeah, and if for for villains to make me hate you um, on screen, that means as an actor, you're doing a great job. Um, Any final thoughts, my friend? Uh, no, I mean there there's so much more to say but I'm going to leave it for the baddies to watch this at home because yeah. really check this movie out. We're going to get this episode out as soon as possible because I, you guys need to see this film. You really yeah. need to see this film. Yeah. Baddies. Um, once again, we would like to thank you for your endless support. Um, we deeply appreciate all that you've done for us. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for always tuning in. And and I just want to say to all the baddies out there, God, you're sexy. You you're are just beautiful. So fucking smart. You and are just, Ugh, clever. I want to caress your intellect. Uh, metaphorically. And in order to do that, what we'll do is have you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to us on Spotify and all of the podcast platforms that you're listening to us on. If you listen this far and you leave us uh, a review, maybe... Maybe we'll call you out. Maybe if it's interesting enough, we'll read the review. Out loud. To on ourselves. Air. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, not on air? I didn't say it. But if it's good, did. I'll say it. If I'll, it's great. If we'll it's great. It. Five stars only. 10 stars if you can. Um, follow mm-hmm. me on Instagram at uh, call underscore me, Jesus. You can follow me at Christian Has Asthma. And you can follow the podcast at ICBTB Podcast or ICBTB.com. Yep. It can't be that bad.com also works. We own both domains. Uh, check it out.
Uh, Christian, real quick. What's up? What do you call two bears and a cat? Oh, um, the sequel to The Little Bear Show. Mm-hmm. That's right, guys. That's our next movie, The Little Bear Show. The Little Bear Show. Bye. Bye.